Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we look back at an eventful week in the UK, as well as how to approach investing in innovation and whether it is possible to spot where the next breakthrough will come from, with Sarah Gresty, Head of Investments, Ben Rogoff, Fund Manager at Polar Capital, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. Welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. This week, we are privileged to be joined by Ben Rogoff, who is one of the lead fund managers at Polar Capital. Hello, Ben. Hi there. And as usual, we've also got Will Hobbs, our CEO. We're going to have a go at tackling the all-important subject of innovation. So, Will, before we get to Ben, could you set the scene for us and tell us why innovation matters to us both as inhabitants of the planet and as investors? Well, that's pretty easy, actually, Sarah. And again, I just echo Sarah's thanks so much to Ben for coming on. It's great to have someone really knowledgeable talking about innovation rather than having me prattle on about it as I do every week. And in that sense, you know, this prattle should be quite familiar. The answer uh, to, to your question should be quite familiar to regular listeners. For the overwhelming majority of our like species existence on this planet, from grandparent to grandchild, uh, the difference in living standards, you, you can see from all sorts of data points, they're barely detectable. Human heights don't change, neither does life expectancy. Uh, for thousands of years, life, uh, in the famous words of someone I'm not related to, Thomas Hobbes, who wrote a very famous book, Nasty, Brutish and Short. However, since the 19th century, that begins to change. Our life expectancy has doubled since then. We are taller, healthier, wealthier, uh, and more besides. And the centre of that sort of dramatic uh, and welcome change in the trajectory for our species is innovation. Not just shiny new technology from better plows to the ever more useful AI, uh, uh, which I hope Ben is going to tell us a bit about, but innovations in how we apply this tech too. Now that meant that since the 18th and 19th centuries, for every unit of input, whether you talk about workers or money or capital, you know, whatever you want, we are getting ever more output. We're becoming more powerful in a sense. And, and just to give you, sorry, just to set the scene more, to give you a thought experiment, which I always think is quite useful in framing this and how things are different now to how they might have been, you know, 20, 100 years ago. You know, imagine last night, Sarah, Ben, you know, you go home. In my case, you test positive for COVID, your whole family shouts at you and you get uh, isolated. <laughs> but, um, but in normal people case, you know, you put the dishes in the dishwasher, you can put clothes in the washing machine. Uh, you maybe go onto the internet, uh, you order some food from some delivery uh, company you go onto the internet you do a bit more work maybe book a holiday you know check out what Kerry Katona is up to now then you think how long you come back down you within that hour you've got yourself a meal clean clothes clean plates you've booked yourself a holiday all those things uh, and the question is how long would that hour have taken you 20 years ago 100 years ago, 500 years ago. And the point is that we have become much better off. And that's available to everyone with internet access, a dishwasher and a washing machine, which actually is, you know, a huge proportion of the global population. Sorry, that's a really long-winded answer. And the link to investments but it is really simple as well. It's just that uh, that ever-expanding opportunity set, which companies are both driving and profiting from. Owning companies is really the best way owning a slice of the world's corporate sector. It's the best way to profit from the world's ingenuity, humankind's incredible creativity, innovative capacity, etc. So 
you've given a good vision of all the improvements we've made as a species, all that all that game changing stuff um, to make our lives easier, indoor plumbing, electricity, we can think of lots of them. But I guess what I wanted to ask you, Ben, is, you know, have we invented all of the meaningful things or and are we then doomed to return to kind of the lack of growth that we saw prior to the Industrial Revolution? I mean, isn't it surely part of the human condition or the, the arrogance of uh, any generation to think that the end of history has happened on their watch? I'm sure that <laughs> um, other generations have, have asked themselves the same questions, you know, and again, famously, the number of people that just didn't you know, didn't see the market for computing, didn't see the market for cars and sort of early opposition to structural change, you know, being very noisy, fever pitch at times. So, no, I mean, we absolutely have not invented all the things that need inventing. I think that there's been a, a period where uh, a lot of where some of the big, big innovations have become somewhat more invisible. You know, what would have been hardware innovation in the past? I don't know, the, 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 the fountain pen, the biro, the PC, the car. Uh, has given way to something more ethereal. I think that that can sometimes lead to the give the impression that change hasn't happened at the same pace. I think there's been you know people like Elon Musk out there quite frustrated at times. You know that we don't have flying cars and said we've got you know Twitter. Um, and and so there are lots of um, you know, things out there that could give you know and, and then of course productivity, which we probably will discuss in greater depth. Just you know the slowing pace of productivity changes. And 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 for me, the question about whether or not productivity really measures the things that that Will just referenced. Mm. You know the amount that we can get out of a day now. I'm not sure is being captured in you know macroeconomic productivity measures. So no, but you know the the punchier. Sorry, it was already quite verbose. But the, the punchier answer is we absolutely have not. <laughs> And, and actually, we're, as a tech investor, you would expect me to say this, but actually, when you look at things like you know, artificial intelligence, probably the most important of the new categories of technology that we're excited about, we're really just scratching the surface. So just on that, because that's a favorite point of mine. I thought that was perfect. That's exactly, you know, that's, of course, you're a tech investor and you would say that, but uh, I, for what it's worth, I agree. And I think, you know, the, the, the idea that we've invented everything, that's kind of a grumpy old man's take on productivity, you know, in my day. And I think it misunderstands like why, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not so based in the present day. I love, I love to thinking about the history of productivity and what led to the start. And I, I think it misunderstands that view that we've invented everything, misunderstands how productivity happened in the first place. And actually, if you look at it, you know, if you imagine it's more than just a spasm, if you've studied the build up to it, you can see that it, uh, it doesn't come out of nowhere. It's, um, there was, it wasn't like there was no innovation and suddenly there was. In the preceding centuries, you find that kind of fascinating societal shift, which is kind of represented by the Enlightenment thought, you know, the scientific revolution. Um, and essentially we begin to, to develop the tools to build the knowledge of our surroundings more reliably, you know, marginalizing the, uh, you know, the wrong turns of superstition and that, that basically this knowledge mountain builds and builds and builds uh, and unevenly begins to pay out unevenly, of course. But like, in my opinion, to Ben's point, that's really just gathering. If you think about artificial intelligence more generally, and you think about, you know, you start writing it down during that 16th, 17th period. So then you can build on it. But you think about what's happening now with advances in artificial intelligence, our kind of knowledge mountain, the, the foundation of all that productivity and innovation, the thing that it springs from, that's growing faster than our ability to explain with theory. That just seems way too pessimistic to sort of now say, you know, we're at the end of this. Uh, personally, I, you know, I'm an optimist, but I, th I think we're just at the beginning. Barely scratched potential. 
Well, if you, if you step back just five, five minutes ago, when COVID was you know, first sort of happening, emerging, uh, and people were very nervous about, you know, what the, the, there were going to be, a, you know, we would be in, 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 a, in a real real state. And now we have, you know, 18 months on shortages across, you know, in lots of lots of different industries, you know, and I think that we've become conditioned to sort of make, you know, I, I don't know, to maybe not think the worst, but more, but, but this sort of staccato nature of, of stuff and i i don't know for me like, like you say it just takes time for technology to percolate you know we go back and look at the productivity figures when people got excited you know last about the you know, back back in you know the the 2000 time frames you know those gains weren't due to the internet those gains were due to things that happened in things like barcode scanning yeah. and pcs and <laughs> and you know companies like walmart you know so we're, we're, we're all somehow programmed to think that you know, maybe this, you know, Instagram generation, right, right. But, but like this took 10, 10 years of barcode scanning for people and global supply chains mm. to be, you know, for the benefits to show up in macroeconomic data. I'm almost worried to ask you that question now, but when you're talking about barcode, but yeah. what is it that's really exciting you in the world of technology at the moment? I mean, right now, I mean, it's quite nice to have this conversation because right now the tech sector and the, you know, Risk assets generally are, you know, uh, um, having a tough time. Stock markets are, you know, and we're dealing with inflation that we haven't had to worry about for a while. And, and again, you know, five minutes ago, we were everyone was focused on sort of tech driven deflation. And here we are worrying about inflation briefly. So, you know, right right now, I mean, we're, we're focusing on markets. The long term story for tech hasn't changed a jot. You know, I think that we'll come out of this, you know, again, two years into this pandemic period. Uh, and I think people are, uh, you know, desperate to get back to holidays and back to desks and all of that good stuff. Mm. But I mean, two years is much too soon to know whether or not there's a change in work modality. You know, I, I think there will be. I think that the way that humans have organized and ended up specializing and living in cities is going to change. I think that we are going to look back at this period and, you know, laugh that we thought we had the answers two years after a, a pandemic. Um, you know, society was changed profoundly by the Spanish flu. And I think that it will be in time, uh, we, we will feel the same about this pandemic. Um, what excites me? I mean, look, you can't not be excited about AI uh, in the same way that you would have been excited about electricity or the combustion engine um, had you been alive at those times. What I know from history says that you just cannot know what the implications are of these technologies. You know, again, you could have looked at steel and said that's bad news for iron, but you might not have been able to predict skyscrapers. Um, and, and, and I, I think that's what's so exciting about being alive, about being a tech investor. You know, we, we're, we're looking for obviously the most exciting themes, AI, you know, I don't know if you read this week, Google, Google has trained, um, a neural network to basically solve for mass GCSE. I don't know if you saw that, but a neural network can now pass a mass GCSE without being able to understand mass, just being able to do pattern recognition and wait for it. The same neural network can answer one third of all undergraduate mass questions at MIT. Wow. So again, we, we may look back and laugh at these things, but this would that would look a little bit like a skyscraper in 1885. You know, very hard to understand that, you know, 30 years later or 40 years later, you're building 50 story buildings and changing profoundly the value of land in Manhattan where there's bedrock. So AI for us, the idea that we're going to Tesla is using AI to train cars to drive. Hmm. Is it frustrating that the time frame for fully autonomous vehicles seems to be ever extending? Sure. That's the that's the lot of the tech investor and the idea that in the end, you know, technology innovation comes in waves and it almost always disappoints in the first wave. And then, as it, you know, as Will has alluded, it, it percolates and then prices of things 
get much better and then new uh, technologies or new products become possible based on lower price points you know who think about things like the movie industry or i don't know music and 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 you know 50 years after electrification so no i i mean ai for us is you know with the cloud was very much our focus and has been and still is in our portfolios but if you're thinking about you know the next um, if money flows from the controversial to the obvious then it's it's got to be about ai Okay, well, that's good. So uh, just be a little bit more patient, but good to know we should still be excited about technology. Um, maybe then moving on, what about some of the dangers? Um, I wanted to ask you specifically about social media. So there's certainly some unpleasant side effects around kind of social media. What, what's your views on that? Look, I think um, technology creates change, doesn't it? It's a catalyst for, for societal change. Uh, it's also, in the case of social media, an amplifier of differences in society. And I think that progress, and I put that in inverted commas, always follows a pattern of two steps forward and one step back. That's that's the norm. And there are winners and losers in, you know, again, steel transform buildings. But it, and if you were in the iron business, you didn't feel probably quite so good about life. And so specifically to social media, it's an amplifier of differences in society. If you went to Speaker's Corner, you'd probably find some fairly abhorrent views there. I think that when you you look at social media, you have to view it, I think, through that lens, which is that there are differences. There are extreme views in society and, and you know, not all of them are, are, are palatable. I think, again, very hard for the companies in that space to do the right thing. There are some curios, aren't there, in the in the, the, the Ayatollah Khomeini has a, a Twitter account, but Donald Trump doesn't. You know, you can spend all day thinking about those 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 oddities in the end i don't think we, we we they're in a very difficult spot and ultimately i think the trend is towards more regulation and for them to take more of an editorial role and just to take you back like how do we think they're going to do that without more ai mm. so the ability to find bad actors to find hate speech again is very very difficult and so what do i think about them i think that in the end they reflect society i don't think that they necessarily are, are responsible for society's ills but there's definitely an amplification effect too and there's 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 something there's a familiar strand here in terms of Sarah, like what we've been talking about a lot with regards to productivity about that there's a cultural element you know there's a whole strand of academic thinking with regards to this area studying these sort of you know the history of innovation and it's exactly kind of one of the messages that comes through in the sort of run up to the industrial revolution if you think about the preceding context you know that information revolution you can think about the printing press you know when which prompted a surge in literacy and debate you know ultimately the reformation in europe uh, and it's harnessing that I guess, you know, that, that ability to dissent. There's a great quote we always use on this, you know, that uh, a, a favorite economic historian of mine. I know that's a tragic sentence, but, you know, he argued that <laughs> technological progress requires a tolerance of the unfamiliar and the eccentric. Uh, and it's about that, you know, that, that not depress suppressing. And I think with that comes, you know, obviously unattractive views and so on. But as Ben said, you know, that, you know, if you think about the Reformation and those exchange of ideas, not all of it would have been based on facts. There would have been cynical players. There would have been, uh, you know, unattractive things said, but that's part of the price, the societal jostle that you need, I think personally, to see that kind of those surges in innovation. Well, if I could just jump back in, well, actually, I think it's, it's a really good debate. And I think that in the end, was it TJ Barnum? When no such thing as bad. What is it? Bad publicity. But the, the, the bad, the, the problem, the problem for you know social media and for these new distribution methods for news or user generated content. Let's call it that. User generated content is that it hasn't been vetted. It doesn't have an editorial, but it only ever gets bad press. But you know nobody talks about the 
the, the, the societal benefits from, I don't know, videos that you can reach an audience that you might not have been able to reach before or skills that you can learn that you were never able to learn before or apps that, you know, that can teach you languages in a way that, you know, like, like you said before, that the, the information revolution is as much to do with the democratization of access to information. Like the most incredible, like we should be on, again, if we're taking a hundred year view on this, in theory... And again, it's a theoretical thing. The fact that we we've all got access to just about you know to information that was reserved for you know for kings and and and, and princes in any other pre- previous period. The question is whether or not we right. use that information or we spend all of our time in TikTok, you know. And then and yeah. then and, and that and that's a that's a genuine challenge associated with new distribution models. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right, and it's it's, it's how we use it. And I think you've just got to have the you know that's what Europe did at the time. I think is that they managed to find that institutional context where you allowed for that freedom of speech, and that's just got to be. But but there were parameters because if you were um, I forgot the chap who came in went into Bristol on Palm Sunday on the back of a back of a donkey going back to my 17th century history. You know, even for <laughs> even for, the, for for Oliver Cromwell and for the Puritans, there's still oh it was the Naylor thing, wasn't it? That that ultimately yes, there has yeah, to yeah. be limits to freedoms yes. of speech and, and civilized debate. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Absolutely exactly right. that. Absolutely right. Hey, one other thing that you know again, big picture stuff. Like we remember, you know Elon Musk on the, you know tweeting yesterday about you know in our lifetimes we will be on Mars. That, that's interesting. You know, in our lifetimes we will solve for language you know think about how many wars have happened how many misunderstandings have occurred because we we were one person was saying one thing and the other person misinterpreted it we we, we moved to a world where you know some of the latest nlgs these uh, natural language generation models you know billions of parameters now microsoft and video these companies are, you know and we shall be able to solve for language and again it's just it seems incredible that we won't see a you know, productivity boost from some of these the, the, these advances that are again we're on the cusp of. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And not all of it will be net progress. That's not the message from history. You know, you do take like wrong turns, and it's hugely disruptive as well societally. You know, jobs changing all over the place, yeah. as you know. So it's that's the that's really the trick where so few people have managed it. I, I, personally, that's why I think China's going to. You know, I still think China's got something to solve for from that perspective in terms of that's another subject altogether and I won't get into it but yeah Sarah sorry (laughs) that's interesting so I guess then maybe a final question for me when have you bet hard on a particular technology and it hasn't turned out to be you know to deliver what it promised what maybe give us an example of that yeah yeah I absolutely can I mean I suppose you know we make mistakes all the time that's why we build diversified portfolios across a number of different themes and and ultimately the try to build in the idea of avoiding hubris as best you can through diversification and you know um and and experience so i suppose two two areas come to mind the first one would have been in a slightly almost like a different life now late 90s internet investing where you know new economy old economy and all of that good stuff and you know some incredible lessons learned ultimately the internet became something that's a hundred times bigger than we thought it was going to be when we were excited about it in the late 90s but the the cycle of attracting capital early and then ultimately disappointing a first generation investors and then delivering to a new generation of investors is you know i think fairly well understood in the golf course world you know first two owners go bust and then the next guy makes all the money and i you know i think i learned a lot in the 90s but that that was where we were hugely excited ultimately right and had you know with 10 years at least 10 years too early more recently i think you'd have to say the work from home new work modality story i think you know the pandemic had a incredibly uh, exciting aspects from a tech perspective in terms of you know lockdown acceleration of technologies you know again we were quite excited about it in the portfolios thankfully we we unwound quite a lot of it last year with companies like peloton and 
and and Zoom, and you know, we've still got a little bit of Zoom, but nothing like we used to. And DocuSign, and you know, again, I suppose you know, got really excited about a new work modality, which I think in the end we're already seeing some of the signs that it's for real. You know, pe- rail people out on strike for lots of good reasons, but if you look at the detail, tra- you know, train volumes are down twenty five percent. People are yeah. commuting differently. Look at the, the the participation rate of women or the disabled participation rate in the UK labour force are both at higher than pre-pandemic levels. You know, that, that the idea of being able to basically divorce work from where you are geographically, like if you want to level up, think about think about the new work modality. Uh, so yes, we got a bit excited about that. You can hear in my voice, hopefully, that we're still I hugely excited. Yeah. We're still excited. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, I agree. Because in the end, two years is no, no time at all. If you're a historian, it, it probably isn't even a paragraph. So um, I think, you know, again, we've probably got a bit excited about it. We've unwound some of that. But in the end, societal change takes longer than stock markets do to, to react. That's brilliant. Yeah. So it's good to have things to be excited about. So Ben, it's been so interesting having you on today. I just want to thank you so much for joining us. And Will, it's been great to have you as well. And thank you to our listeners as well. We will join you soon for another Words on the Street. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation. All tax rules can change in the future and their effects depend on your individual circumstances, which can also change. We do not offer personal tax advice. You should obtain this independently if you're unsure. Investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.